Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered coming your way officially. This is episode 109, an episode of October Unfiltered Live. We are here every day about the conclusion of the World Series in the 2022 baseball season at noon Eastern time on Twitter. You can find me at Casey Stern or on my YouTube channel, which you can get in my bio or on Believes. That's B-L-E-A-V as well. You can always at any time, and thank you, Unfiltered Band, jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution and get your Believe swag as well at Casey Stern along the way. And welcome to all the folks who are listening, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you normally do, where you get your podcast, albeit belated. We got a lot to get to on this show as we continue. I said yesterday, they give you four hours, and it's always seemingly too many the day of the Super Bowl to get to the Super Bowl. So we'll branch them out. One hour Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, get you set up before Friday's show. We've got a lot of guests coming up as we will continue throughout the course of the World Series. Alex Cora will join me to help preview Game 1 on Friday. Matt Holiday will be here with me tomorrow. Uh, Gibby, John Gibbons will be back on Thursday. And we've got a great guest lineup coming up today. Mike Gill will join me, 97.3 Jersey, also our host on Believe in Bets. Uh, all things Phillies here in a couple minutes. Joe Serralo, who's got like uh, you know enough uh, hats to be Strahan or Ryan Seacrest here at Believe, will join me. Also, Believe in Queens, among other things, he'll be here coming up at the bottom of the hour. And my guy, longtime friend, and uh, as great a job as anybody, the Yankees during the season, but a Philly guy who was there for the Phillies Padres series, Tyler Kepner of the New York Times, will be here as well. As always, we're presented by our good friends at Bet Online, and we do not want to forget them, and you should not forget. How much I love basketball. Basketball is back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs all season long in the NBA. Always the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends. You can get them on Bet Online. It's your continued source for all sports wagering information, live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. It is the fastest and easiest way. Bet all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Just head over to betonline.ag, that's betonline.ag, to join and get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use this promo code. It's BELIEVE. You gotta believe. B-L-E-A-V, your promo code to receive all your rewards. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. And we get started as we sit here now four days away. And I'll say this as we welcome in our first guest, Mike Gill, kind enough to join us here on the show, that I said yesterday, as we sit a week long out, um, I try with the dad bod to stay away from my gut, but my gut is telling me Phillies in six. My brain is saying Astros in six. I'll get you on that. When we get to the end of this, let's start with this and with the hi, Hey, hello. What's up, Mike? How you doing, buddy? All is well, man. And, uh, you know, for, you know, it's a big deal when the Phillies have put the six and O Eagles on the sideline for a week. That's right. And I just want to mention that the Giants, because I'm a big Giant fan, are somehow 5-1, and one, so I get to put what happened to the Mets on the side during this conversation. <laughs> uh, you know, it, let, let me start here, because, you know, in Philadelphia, and I've always, I've always loved covering baseball there. I was there and had the pleasure of covering those years in 08 and 09 and 2010 and those runs. And, you know, obviously you, you fall short in the repeat, but, you know, in working with Brad Lidge as my co-host over the years and with J-Roll, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, fallen in love with everything the city is about. Can you try and give me in words, which may be difficult, Mike, the pulse of what is happening right now to that city with this team? Uh, it is unbelievable, Casey. I followed those teams. I covered all those teams, too. And I remember there was a – when the Eagles were playing, it was 08-09, really the 09 season. They went to the NFC Championship game that year. Now, they weren't like an outstanding team. They ended up, like, getting hot late. They beat Arizona on Thanksgiving night. That kind of propelled them. The, the Eagles played the Giants and Dallas on back-to-back -back weeks while the Phillies were in the playoffs, and nobody cared. To be in Philadelphia when they play New York or Dallas and nobody cares tells you something. Rob Thompson said it after the game. He said, I was told if we're good, they'll show up. Well, you showed up. Now you've got 45,000 maniacs every single game. That's what it is. You got 45,000 people. Let's be honest. This is not a baseball town 24-7 like a Boston, New York, uh, or St. Louis, those places. But when this team is good, there is no better place. The players say it all the time. Why do people like playing in Philly, Casey? 
What did Bryce Harper say? I wanted to go to a place where when we won, I could feel it. He didn't feel it in Washington. Those fans are just kind of like, yay. When you win here, it's a different story. It's different than any other place because it's not New York. They're not there all season long, and they can be criticized for that. But when it matters the most, there's nobody better than the 45000 they've got in Citizens Bank Park. And you're seeing it right now. And you earn it. You earn it. And I've said this about, and first of all, it's interesting that you mentioned, Mike, because you're right. It's sometimes the, the sport you're playing is the difference. In Washington, you and I both know this, even though they can't forget the names of the football team in the last couple of years. If it's football in that city, there there are diehards. Certainly, you go back from the 80s all across that are there. But with the Nationals, you never feel any of that. I mean, honestly, you just don't. I mean, even it's really a far cry, honestly, from the Orioles who are sitting there, depending upon traffic, 45 minutes an hour away. Philadelphia, I've seen it with the Flyers. I've seen it with the, it really does not seem to matter. There is a, a falling in love, but they're hard on those players. I said this yesterday to Jody Mack. Of course, Jody McDonald is as big a Philly guy as anybody, but I want to get your take on this. It seems to me over the years and being around it, that if you can live through the trials and tribulations and let them hate you and you stand up tall, like Reese Hoskins has stood, even though with the glove, maybe not as good as you want it to be, but he stood there and he's taken it and you come out the other side with this kind of performance, how much hero stuff are we talking about right now with Reese Hoskins, who you're probably still taking phone calls right now today saying, why isn't he a DH? Yeah, I mean, there's no better. Hoskins is such a polarizing guy because you're right. I mean, he's a guy that when he blasted onto the scene in his rookie year, he hit more home runs in less games than anyone ever. I mean, historic. And... I think it was 18 homers in like 35 games, something to that. I mean, and you were like, this is the next guy. By the way, somebody was on with me yesterday and brought up that Hoskins actually has more home runs in the same amount of time than Mike Schmidt does in the Phillies uniform. This guy has been productive. It's just when he's been productive. And then you throw the defense in, that doesn't help. You can make a strong argument if Bryce Harper doesn't win the game with an eighth inning walk, not walk off, but winning home run, that Reese Hoskins is the MVP of that series, right? He hits two homers on Saturday, hits another one the next day on Sunday. Um, he's a polarizing guy, but you're right. All will be forgotten if this team wins. It happens. Look at Alec Bohm earlier this year. I bleeping hate it here. He said it. And then he owned up to it. And the next night, he got a standing ovation. He said, you know what? I own it. I said it. I shouldn't have. I don't hate it here. I just had it in that moment. And that's what it is in Philly. They don't boo you. They boo the moment. And I think if you can understand that as a player, you will love it here. If you understand, I'm not booing Reese Hoskins. I'm booing the result of the play that happened that Reese Hoskins was a part of. And I think that is the difference between the guys who can make it here and the guys who can't. Reese embraces it. He knows they're not booing him. He knows they're booing the result of the play that he was a part of. And that bat spike embraced everything. Oh, how great was that? That was so fantastic. Boom, right? And that part was, of that is Mike, that was that was awesome. And I love that. And I love the energy. And to your point, it's the anti I hate to do it, it's the anti Ben Simmons. I mean the Ben Simmons that I cover the NBA also the problem that he had and I was covering it at the time that he's sitting there and he's telling you how tough it is and how difficult he is. And to a Philly fan he's telling you how weak he is. Totally and, unrelatable. And it, 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 totally unrelatable. It makes, it makes you weak. They want Aaron Rowan, who ran his face into a wall. They don't want somebody, right, who tells you, hey, you don't have to be the best player. I mean, I think about oh. so many guys who who were like stars because they were that tough enough. They want toughness was not a question. There was this question, though, that seemingly people seemed to have for whatever reason to the beginning of his career. People making too much of Harper and Trout being in the same category. And I said this, you go back to Bryce's first MVP year, it's better than any season that Mike Trout has ever had. Then he goes and he wins another one. Now he's the MVP of an LCS. At what level are we, are we at Allen Iverson level now in terms of where Bryce Harper is and the beloved status of how much he has embraced Mike this city, as you heard him in that presser the other day, talking about, to your point, where he really gets the people and he seems to relate back to them and sees himself in this group of fans in this fan base. 
Well, and it's not often, Casey, that the guy who is at the pinnacle of I don't want to say popularity. Baseball is a tough sport to garner sport to garner who's popular and who's not. But the guy who was regarded as the best decided, I want to go to you. Voluntarily. Right? That doesn't happen. And then when times are tough, he embraced it. And now when times are good, there's a moment. I I don't know what network it was. I think it was on the MLB network where he did an interview after the game. And he was emotional. Like, thank you. Thank you for your reaction to what I'm doing here. He gets it. He understands the passion of, and that's why he wanted to play here. Not everybody can deal with that. You mentioned Ben Simmons. This fan base wanted to love Ben Simmons. He's just so unrelatable. Bryce Harper is relatable. He's brought his family in. He's brought everybody into being, hey, I am a Philadelphia Philly. I did it in two ways. I said I want to be here. I want a no-trade clause. I do not want to leave this. I want the ups and downs of what's going to happen in my 13 years here. It made him a relatable guy right off the bat. And listen, we're in Mike Trout country. I live 45 minutes, covered him in high school. This guy is not relatable at times, and that's the problem. He's playing on the West Coast. Baseball needs Mike Trout to be relatable. They need Bryce Harper to be relatable. This guy right now, the way he's going, what he says after games, you could use those bites for the whole postseason. He's now. he's average Joe with Superman ability. I mean, that's kind of how he comes off, right? I mean, and you know, to your go ahead, no, go ahead. We had Dave Gallagher, a journeyman yep. guy, on yesterday. Yep. He's from our Former area, Met. nine Former years Met. in the majors. There you go. Yes. And I yes. asked him about that last at bat, and he said, "Listen, we've all had that at bat. I've had that at bat." He said his last at bat ever was against Randy Johnson, and he had the same moment when you look down. And you see those at-bats when you're 12 years old and your dad telling you, spit on that, change up, and then your pitch is coming. The whole thing of him looking down, he said, I did it, but I hit a single. He's superhuman. He hit a homer. That's right. That's the difference. His talent is He's super- him. Yeah, yeah, I used yeah. the Frank Thomas's son when he texted me about a big hurt the other day. And he he said his son texted him. He's him. He's him. I mean, whatever that is, is too cool for either of us. He's him. Whatever that yeah. means. Uh, he can do it, and the average <laughs> Joe can't. Even the average Joe major leaguer can't do. That's what right. We do. That's right. And and you know what? Here's a guy who was sitting there, 18, 19 years old, blowing kisses after a home run and getting crap. I sat there at a at a futures game, one of the million I covered. He was getting crap for overthrowing a cutoff man. He has always had that LeBron James. You're never going to be appreciated. Everything you do is going to be wrong. And he has been able to battle through that. The Nationals gave him a, a horse crap contract that they stuffed under. I call it the hotel bill. Like when you're walking out and it's already too late with all the deferrals. And he chose to take the extra years. I've talked to Scott about this. He knows. I mean, Bryce could have made 40, 45, 50 million dollars a year. Giants and Dodgers offering him shorter deals. And he's young enough. Turn right back around. He wanted to invest in this city and has now. They're in a championship spot. You mentioned former Mets in in Dave Gallagher, so let's hurt my feelings even more and talk about Wheels and Zach Wheeler. Um, Here's a guy who his pulse seems like it's none. Aces come in different ways. I think about behind you, the late Doc Halliday. He had it in a way that was kind of similar where like he had a compete level that was the same as a Clemens, right, but didn't have to show it to you. How about how Zach Wheeler, the Met, the guy who was on the team everyone in Philly hates has become so beloved. What's impressed you most in the time he's been a Philadelphia Philly? He's so interesting. And I, and I tweeted this out a couple of days ago is that the Mets went and signed Scherzer. They had the grind. They invested all this money and they let Wheeler walk. Right. And here Wheeler gets this great deal. He's not like paid like a ridiculous ace. He came to Philly. He's no paid one like a, a two, Mike, right? He's kind of yeah. paid like a two. Yeah. And the Phillies look, um, Matt Clintech doesn't get a lot of credit for much, but that was kind of his signature signing. He brought Wheeler in. It was kind of an under the radar. He had had some injury problems with the Mets. His personnel, we talked about how much Harper, I don't know that I've ever heard Wheeler talk. I mean, I saw till the, him the other night, night till the right? other night, right? The other night, like, That's right. Is this? And he's got the goggles on his head and you're like, huh, and fun and happy. Smoking? Right. Exactly. No, but sometimes you need that. We talked about on my show yesterday. The Eagles in 17 won the Super Bowl, and you can go rewinding in your mind moments that happened. You need moments for special things to be special. This this two-week, three-week run has more moments than the whole 162. 
And Zach Wheeler's a part of those moments that you're just like, he fits in so perfectly because he's so stoic. He is that guy that you're like, I don't know much about this guy, but when he's out there, I know I'm getting my best from him. He and Nola, another guy who doesn't say all that much. And then you have all these characters around those guys. The moments that have been created. I did a post on our website last night. I came up with 15. I could have done 25. And this is in a three-week span. That's how crazy what's going on right now is that with this Phillies team. The, the moments. I mean, think about this. It took us four hours yesterday on the show to remember the ball that hit the bag with Cronenworth going up the middle. He's right there. The ball hits the bag and goes right. I said, that's a moment that is like a defining thing in a series. That changed the series. That's just one of 25 right. or oh, more moments. I forget it. I mean, it's been an unbelievable run, and the momentum is crazy. Chatting here in October unfiltered with Mike Gill. You know, look, here's the thing, too. When you win in a postseason and you are an underdog, and I said this before this before the postseason started, and this is why I was not on the Phillies. It wasn't they don't have top end potential in the rotation. They do. It wasn't they can't mash. They can. But teams to beat better teams have to play great within the margins. Normally, you have to be good defensively, good on the base paths. You have to get runners in from third less than two out. How surprised are you that the Phillies, even though there's been some moments, not those kind that you brought up, but the other kind, the Keith Hernandez kind, right? Yes. And I don't mean as a defender, he's the greatest first baseman ever, but you know what I'm talking about. How surprised are you that they've been able to manage through those as best as they have? And how much still, if you're being honest, are you worried against an Astros team that you know you got to be on your P's and Q's and every other letter there is? that this may be something that bites them in this coming series. Yeah, I mean, all year long, the problem was the defense is shoddy. You talked about not getting the clutch hit. Look, this team for me, did I think they were going to win the World Series? No. Did I think it was a possibility that they can be a, a player for it? Sure. Why? For me, it's all about ceiling. The ceiling of this roster is good enough. I mean, can you imagine if Nick Castellanos hit 300 with 35 home runs this year? He, he can't come. imagine it right now. That's his problem. He's lost. Right. But go ahead. He yes. Couldn't, he didn't yeah. come close <laughs> to those numbers. And they and they're here they are. Um, but your point is is very valid. Is when is that Reese Hopkins error going to cost them a game that cost them momentum, that cost them a series? When is Alec Bohm, who has been terrific. I oh, made a couple of terrific plays too, Mike, in this series. He's been terrific, but if you watch him play, people watching, if you don't watch Phillies games, it's this dicey. guy was Little League-esque. It's, he it's was dicey. so bad. Right. Yeah. You've got two corner guys who are tough to watch at times. I mean, Castellanos, we talk about moments. He had the moment in the Braves series. He makes a great catch. He doesn't make that play nine times out of ten, and, and the other eight times he throws the ball to the wrong bag. He just picks it up. And yeah, he wants Soto in the outfield. The gold glove candidate, by the way. Let's leave that where it is. Go yes. Ahead. Uh, so, yes, all of those things. And here's the big difference. The San Diego's lineup just doesn't have the depth. Their starting pitching didn't have the depth. That's this Astros team has the depth all everywhere, over. everywhere, Mike, everywhere. The bullpen, they're starting everywhere, and the lineup. You can't everywhere. get through the five hole experience. Like, yeah, like there's no like if you put up tail of the tape, right? And you think about all the different things and the phases of the game. There's the Phillies. There's and I, and I mean this really. I'm not backpatting them, but their offense, their front line rotation. They're they're going to match up. They're going to do right. But there's nothing they're better at. Than the Astros. That's and by the way, that doesn't mean the Astros can't lose because the Braves probably would have been in the same predicament in that tail of the tape a year ago. My question is about this series, and that's why I said to you, gut says Phillies in six, because the momentum ride is different with them this year. It's such at a high level that to me, I don't look at how they won games. I look at how the players feel, which I know sounds stupid, but you've got a Dominguez and an Eflin and and a uh, a Alvarado and the guys in their pen coming in all feeling good. Even Syndergaard, who you're going to need more from than you want to get from, feeling good. Everybody's feeling good outside maybe a Castellanos, right, about kind of where they are. I love all that. But to your point, the depth of the staff with the Astros, when you could go 18 innings with Seattle and have a Garcia come out, throw six innings, and it doesn't even touch you, and the Abreus, and I'm not mentioning Presley, notice, right? But the other guys they have, the Urquides, who, by the way, has pitched and started in postseason and World Series games. Rob Thompson, who's done a phenomenal job, is very aggressive. I love it. I know game three was, I loved what he did. I was scared for you and everyone else because I didn't know how the hell he's getting through game four either. 
But how worried are you if he manages that way in this series, which he may have to, that you just don't have as many pitching answers as Houston has in that next day in a series like this? Well, that's the difference, right? In, in the, the three series previously, you had the answers. They, the other team didn't have the depth. That would be a big problem. Like the game three situation, if you have to pitch Bailey Falter and he can't get an out, and then you're going to the rest of the Johnny Full staff here, you're in some trouble against an Astros team. I don't know. And look, I don't know that you can out slug and score 10 runs when you're down for nothing against this Astros. No, you get probably not. Clevenger, uh, I said, my God, thank God he got knocked out. We would have been there till two o'clock in the morning with him dancing, tiptoe and tapping around. Uh, but after Clevenger's out, they, I mean, they didn't have the depth to get to where they wanted to get to. When they got to where they want to get to, San Diego's tough. Houston's a different story. If they have to get somebody out early, they can withstand that and keep the game at bay until they get it to the guys you didn't mention, Presley and Urquidy and all those guys deep in the bullpen. So, I think that's the big thing is here is the depth of the Astros is going to be overwhelming. Here's the difference. I love it. And A-Rod mentioned this on the broadcast, which is A-Rod said, Rob Thompson's playing chess and the other managers right now are playing checkers. He said, analytics guys, take notes of what's going on here. I think right now Rob Thompson's going off the gut and he's pushing the right buttons. This layoff, and I'm happy the Astros won because they both had the same layoff. Yeah, you There's need that. You needed that. You needed it. Right. There's no now. What's he going to do? I think there's been some buzz that they're going to throw Nola in Game One instead of Wheeler, right? So that changes the dynamic. They're going to go Nola possibly. I don't know if that's official. Uh, I've seen some people. I think Matt Gelb said that earlier because today. of the time off. And I wouldn't do that, by the way. I Just wouldn't do that. Give him the extra day. But I had yeah. someone text me today asking me, "Hey, I wouldn't do that. Do you think they would use Wheeler in one, four, and seven? I said, I don't even know that he's pitching one. And, you know, according to Matt Gelb, he says he expects Noah to start game one. So that changes the dynamics of this series right off the bat. So right there, if you get what Nola do you get? You know, Casey, in these parts, it's it's the September Nola or yeah, he, he's going to pitch Nola. great. He's going to pitch great. Remember, I said and I'm going to I want to hit you with two more things. quick. But one is Nola. So let me get there now. I talked about this with Mike Stanton yesterday. He certainly know better than we would as a pitcher who'd been through it. And he actually, I didn't even know this when I just threw this at him, that he talked to me about a story about where he threw in the minors against his younger brother. I didn't even know played. It was disgusting in that story to me. I looked at Nola's last start, and two of the hardest pitches he threw in the five all year were in that at-bat against his brother. Right. I don't care who the hell you are. Your parents are there. Your brother's on the other team. It's how many at-bats until my brother's up. How am I going to handle it? The adrenaline's different. Then it's adrenaline dump afterwards. I threw that start out before and during and after, and I think he comes back and is brilliant, whether it's game one or game two. What's your take on that? Casey, I said Thursday he pitched that Wednesday night. I said the, the game changed when his brother got that hit. He could not let it go. I said, can you imagine if you were up to bat, your brother's the worst That's hitter human. on the team. You, you know he's the worst hitter on the team. And keep this. The last time Nola pitched in San Diego back in July, I think it was, he had 13 strikeouts. He gave up one run. They lost one nothing. And his brother had the game-winning hit against him. And his brother got him again. I think he carried that with him. And I said, he wasn't the same guy. Because then Soto ropes the double. And you got Soto going. And then that place just kind of changed on him. I think you're right. I think Nola, the brother. How about the situation, too? He's sitting in the dugout. I can't even imagine this. I don't have a brother. But looking at the plate, your team's winning. Oh, forget and your it. Human, Mike, you're shot. Human element, you're out the window at that point. I don't care who you are. There's no way that's impossible. Uh, let me hit you on, on matchups to watch that I'm looking forward to. First time I discussed this this week in this series, and I want to hit you on two and get your takes on the importance of them. Uh, you can give me both. One, everybody against Altuve because the guy is too darn good, and he not – there's a reason why, and they said the other day in the broadcast, the only guy with a better batting average last decade in this sport overall, Mike Trout. That's because this guy's numbers are always going to be his numbers. He hits. That's just all he does, which is when he's one for 25, he may be the best hitter on their team this series. Not going to surprise you or me. So how about Altuve? And then the other one is that Alvarado Alvarez, the Alva matchup, because to me, we may see that happen five times in the yep. seven games in this series. And Alvarez is not some typical lefty. And if Alvarado, who sometimes takes a couple of pitches, you and I both know this, to kind of lock in, leaks a fastball over, it's going to turn around. How about those two matchups here in this series? Those two are interesting. Uh, by the way, Altuve against the 
Phillies has had some good games. I mean, 318, five homers in his time. And because he struggled so much so far, you're just waiting for him to finally get going, much like the Phillies top of the lineup, Hoskins and Schwerber. Keep this in mind, Casey. They were talking to Rob Thompson about moving those guys out of the one and two spot because I think Schwerber was 0 for 17 and Hoskins was 0 for 16. Uh, so you're just waiting for Altuve. He's a huge key. But the other one, Alvarado, I have such a hard time coming to terms with he is what he is right now. This guy got sent to AAA in July. He was banished, could not throw strikes, couldn't trust him a lick, and now he's the best left-handed guy in all of baseball. Thompson said it. He is there to pitch to Soto. That's what he's there for. The Phillies don't have a closer. They have pockets, right? They find where you are in the lineup. They'll bring Dominguez in in no, the sixth. And pitch to with no him, plan, right? With if no they, plan, Mike, seemingly. Right. I mean, let's be fair. If they think that's the most important part in the game, they'll go. Like, if I say your top of the lineup's in the six, I'll have him pitch the six and the seventh, Alvarado the eighth, and I'll use Eflin or Robertson to pitch the ninth because that means that ninth inning, that pocket will be the bottom of the order. So it's very unconventional, but you're right. The lefty, Alvarado, I cannot and Alvarez, believe. Alvarez, no normal lefty, Mike. I know, look, I know we're talking about Juan oh. Soto, who's not either. But Alvarez against lefties, is it's stupid. His splits, it, in a lot of big spots, he's better against lefties than he is against righties. Robbie Ray, who, by the way, won a Cy Young, and he was coming out of the bullpen, came in because they're like, okay, we got to hold it here. And Alvarado's like, screw that, and just hit a home run off him. I mean, Robbie Ray, not an easy dude for somebody who hasn't seen him all game to just go face. The guy won a Cy Young two years ago. That's going to be one to watch. I'm looking forward to that, Mike. That Alvarado, that Alva matchup, yeah. Alvarado-Alvarez is going to happen a lot in this series. And and keep in mind, you mentioned Alvarado's a guy, a lefty who throws 101 miles an hour routinely. But as he has been, he gave up the homer to Yepes in the, in the uh, Cardinal series. People forget that. He was the one who gave up that homer to make it two to nothing. And then the Phillies had the six-run inning in the ninth to kind of take it over. But that was one where he did give up the long ball. I hate to say it and be that guy. I'm just waiting for the moment because he struggles throwing strikes. Not as bad as he did, but he did walk a guy the other night. You can't do that against this team. No, you know, Mr. to your point, and, and this is fantastic. I'll let you run. I'll have you back on before the series are over. You cannot – you and I both know this. They got away with it so far. Astros aren't the Padres. You you don't give them extra chances. You don't give them extra mistakes. Just ask Garrett Cole when he watched Bader and that drop and say, I got you. And then guess who got got in the next at bat with a homer. Mike, appreciate you, buddy. We'll do this again and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for the spot. Fantastic stuff, man. Absolutely, Casey. Take care, bud. Appreciate you. There's uh, Mike Gill. Great job from him. We appreciate that. We'll have him back on here before the series is out. 97.3 Jersey and Believe in Bets. That's B-L-E-A-V. Joe Serralo, speaking of which, from here at Believe, coming up in a couple. Tyler Kepner, my guy at the New York Times as well. The thing about the lefties that are presented by the Astros is, and they got more than one. Look, Tucker hits lefties well. These, these are not normal left-handers. These are not normal lefties where, you know, look, you never know what's going to happen anyway. I remember covering it years ago. Here's a name, Robinson Cano, back when he was good, long time ago. Uh, and when we believed him, long time ago. Uh, I remember a situation where they're facing, I think it's Texas in a series. I'm pretty sure. And I'm trying to remember the name. There was some lefty that literally... Cano was like 0 for 2 against in the season. And the Rangers had added, and this was a thing. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but this happened. And they added him to the roster for the LCS specifically. They're like, okay, we got to neutralize Cano. That's how much people are looking for a way just to get a big lefty bat out in a postseason. That's what it's always about. I sat there. I covered the Red Sox when they brought in Mike Myers on the left side to go do that. The Yankees had lefties that they had specifically knowing Big Poppy was going to be on the other side. These are the things that you do. The biggest example I could give of any is Javier Lopez, the guy who was on the Pirates at one point during the season, then got traded at a trade deadline to the Giants. Next thing you know, he's getting Utley and Howard out like mad in a series that the Phillies, who were heavily favored, went home, and the Giants went home with a championship for the first time of three that they won. Lefties against lefties. Doesn't work all the time. The guy with Cano gave up a double the one time he faced him in that series. How is it going to be when you see, and you, you can only use Alvarez 
uh, you know, Alvarado one time in that spot. So David Robertson, who's got reverse splits, who's good against lefties, that'll be a guy that you see to maybe try and find a way in a big spot. You're going to feel comfortable with that. Phillies fans, you're going to have to. And an Alvarez, Alvarez is a guy to watch. And that's why, to the point of Altuve, when Alvarez and Altuve don't even have big series and they do what they did as a team and they're sitting there and they haven't lost, can you imagine what had happened, dot, 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 no offense to Nick Castellanos, but that's an even bigger, you know, is that something you'd be interested in, to quote, uh, you know, uh, Bob, uh, whatever his name is, is it Ryan out in, in Entourage? Would that be something you'd be interested in? If you sit there, get Altuve at the top and Alvarez, who are going. Alvarez, very streaky in the postseason. Don't forget, the first time we saw him, 2019, when he was in the postseason, had a very similar situation. He was 1 for 11 to open up. He went 7 for 11 in his next uh, 18 appearances. And we could see him become a big factor in this series. A guy who's a big factor here with us at Believe. And that's because I, I said, you're welcome in Joe Sorallo. I called you, I said, you got as many hats as, as a Seacrest and Strahan on this network. Uh, between, I, I didn't even know where to start, Believe in Queens, and of course, uh, Joe Sorrell Sports, which is on Sports Map. And then you've got, I, I don't even know, I mean, Sorrell Sports Talk. And believe me on uh, on Stadium. Believe me on Stadium. And he can help you with your bets if you have enough money to do it. Uh, you can get him on Twitter at the Joe Sorrell, who's the only one who could do all of that and still sleep at night. And he's up this morning on the West Coast. Joe, appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Casey. And don't be fooled. I don't sleep much. All right. Well, it me, me neither. I got I got three kids and, and too many sports and teams that are, you know, horse and the poop that goes with it, as you know, because we root for one with the 86 plaque that's sitting there back there. But we'll forget that. Um, I want to start with this at just where I was with Mike, because from a guy who was a pitcher and understands this, this matchup to try and figure out how to neutralize the lefties of the Astros is something I'm really excited about seeing play out in this series. Jose Alvarado is a guy you and I have seen completely lose it, have no control. And then we've seen be brilliant. The Alvarez Alvarado matchup is going to happen. It may happen five of the, of however many games that they played seven in this series. How much are you looking forward to seeing how the Phillies between, I think, and you tell me, Alvarado left side, and maybe in the other event, maybe even Robertson with the reverse splits they might have to try on the left, with guys like Tucker and Alvarez who hit lefties, Joe, as well as the Astros hitters do. Yeah, so I'm glad you touched on David Robertson there because I actually think that's going to be a more intriguing matchup, Robertson versus Alvarez, because Robertson's proven to be, like you said, way more effective against lefties than righties. And your Don Alvarez, hits lefties just as well, if not better, than righties. So I don't know if Alvarado is going to be a huge factor when it comes to Alvarez. Maybe a little more so for Kyle Tucker. I mean, Alvarado comes out there throwing straight cheddar, right? The guy's touching, especially in October, when adrenaline's up. Guys are up, you know, two, three ticks. Alvarado's touching triple digits. Um, but Alvarez can hit it. I mean, who's got better bat speed in the game today than Jordan Alvarez? So uh, I'm not so much worried about Alvarado. It's more Robertson with the off-speed stuff, the junk, tailing away from Alvarez. I think that's going to be a real intriguing matchup, especially because this is why the Phillies went out and got Robertson in July. I mean, it was for moments like this. You and I watched the Phillies play. We watched them play all year. We watched Keith Hernandez make fun of the fundies. We saw all the things that literally happened. The Mets and the Braves both beat the crap out of them. How stunned, surprised, what word are you using, are you to see the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series when you take yourself back to the Joe Serralo three weeks ago in your head and what you thought of the Philadelphia Phillies? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think much of them when Verlander was throwing, what, five no-hit innings, just one walk shy of five perfect innings against them, and, and the Cubs swept them just like they swept us in September. Uh, I, I didn't think a whole lot of this Philly team. I'm definitely shocked, but I'm not as disheartened as most Met fans. I, I mean, you know, look, I'm not rooting for Philly by any stretch of the imagination. I'm rooting for Houston. People, you know, may want to kill me for saying that. They may want to yell, oh, cheaters. Got the it's colors on, it looks like. I thought you had Astros gear on. Okay. Yeah, no, it's actually it's similar. last year's Super Bowl gear. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, the blue and orange. And uh, look, I love Dusty Baker. Um, how too. could you not? You know, the, the same way that we love Buck Showalter and the same sentiment that I hold with Showalter. I always say whenever he's on the diamond, he's the smartest guy there. Uh, I feel the same way about Dusty Baker. So I've said all year, if it wasn't going to be the Mets this year, I want it to be Houston. I wish it was Houston last year instead of Atlanta. Uh, but I want Dusty to get that ring finally. He's got the most managerial wins of all time without a World Series ring. I think he's due. But when it comes to this Philly team, I, I can't hate them because at the end of the day, they're a six seed, right? I mean, they're the first six seed ever 
to do this first year that the MLB has had a six seed, not counting the, the COVID 2020 season. And so it's really hard to hate them when this is the first year a team in their positions ever had the opportunity. Some people hate it and say, oh, the regular season means nothing. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm a New York Giants fan for football. You know, we were a wild card in 07. I know, Casey, we're just on the, the same five, page. The six and one Giants? You mean, you mean yeah, those, exactly. those New York Giants? Okay, go ahead. Brian Dayball's crew doing incredible stuff. Oh, my stuff. God. But, uh, I got one DJ. But, That's all I need. Go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, like, we didn't have a shot in, in 07 when we were the no. wild card team, 10 and That's 6. Right. I mean, they were 0 and 2 to start that year, and people were saying Coughlin should be fired, Eli should be moved on from. So I, I kind of love the Cinderella story, but I definitely – I hope it ends here. I think it ends here. Uh, I'm all over this Houston team. They're just too perfect in every aspect. You mentioned you mentioned Dusty, and I've told this story before in an episode. Let me plug for those who want to go back in the conversation I did when I did an interview with him on on this show, uh, which you can get on Spotify, Apple, everywhere else. Uh, I I it was the first time I had talked about this story with him since we met. So we became friends when I had interviewed him a bunch before, but just a media guy, and then we worked together for two years on set at Turner. And the first year that we worked together, I, I and I say this because it's just an example of the of the who he is. So it was we had just had our first day and it was the second morning before we were going to go and do our production meetings and all that stuff. And he asked me to come down to the bottom of the hotel and meet him at the bottom of the hotel. And I didn't know why. And when I got down to the bottom of the hotel, he walked me over to the concierge area here in Atlanta and he had set up a one hour massage for me. Okay, Dusty because Baker he wanted that. to thank me. He wanted to thank me for how comfortable I made him feel in the first day that he was there with a new team and doing a game. I'm like, we thanking me. That's the kind. That's who he is. He's also the only guy I've ever talked to since like 1990 who calls you from a hotel room phone to another hotel room phone. So that's another thing. Because <laughs> who the hell does that? You know, when you get that blinking light and it's like nobody. It's it must be. I left the thing on the door. Do not disturb. But Dusty leaves voice. He is. He's such a sincere guy. That team has been through so much where everybody's hated them. Do you mm. think enough is made of how much he's buffered that because he's been there? That, you know, obviously COVID, no. they didn't have to go through, Joe, the gauntlet with the fan base that they would have, right, if they didn't have the stick figures. But how much do you think Dusty has helped for some of those players to at least alleviate as much as possible all of that outside noise that could have affected what now have been back-to-back -back World Series runs? In the locker room, I think he's helped a ton. I think in that locker room, he's been incredibly instrumental. Look, Dusty's been through it all, right? Don't forget, you want to talk about controversy? The guy was Barry Bonds manager for years in San and Francisco. Jeff Kent. So yeah, Jeff Kent, former New York met Jeff Kent. Uh so yeah, Dusty's he he's been through it all. Um, there's no better leader. You know, you, you get a guy like Dusty, a guy like I'll bring Buck back into this. And I think they're the perfect solution for something that Houston went through. So in the locker room, I think he's been great. I will say to the rest of America, I don't think people can separate this current Astros team from the Astros team of five years ago in 2017. Everyone I talk to, they label them still? cheaters, frauds, still. still. But like now Kyle look, Tucker, like Tucker wasn't even there. McCormick's not on the team. Alvarez was in the Dodgers there. farm system. Alvarez isn't loud. there. I mean, I mean, Verlander's a pitcher. Framber Valdez is a pitcher. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so we're yeah. talking about Bregman Altuve, really. Two people. Exactly. Exactly. But people still just hate the Astros. And, and I, I always say my argument, even before I get to Alvarez, before I get to Tucker, my arguments always come on. How could you hate Dusty Baker? He is an all time good guy. He is the perfect guy to be. I mean, maybe when you think face of the franchise, you think a player, but the leader, the manager, he's buffered the perfect guy, Joe. He bought all yeah. that for them. Uh, this series, I, I said yesterday, gut on the momentum side with the Phillies is, is so heavy in their favor because of what they've been through. And you may think some people say, well, the Astros has been easier. One of the things I can't get away from, and I'm not rooting for the Phillies, but to your point, and I'll be fair, even Met fans hate this. Like I've never considered Bryce Harper a player. I hated, like I like a lot of the things that he's about and I have no problem with that. Schwarber is a really likable guy. I, I don't yeah. know who could have an issue with him. Reese Hoskins, a guy who's been crapped on by that city as much as he has to have the fortitude to be as good as he's been. I'm all for that. They don't have the depth answers with pitching that Houston has. How is Rob Thompson going to manage like he did in game three of the last series where he's like, heck, I got to win this game. I don't care what the hell happens tomorrow. When the next day, the Astros could throw the Luis Garcia's if there's six innings in an 18 inning game or Keedy, Abreu. We're not mentioning Presley. We're not mentioning starters. Is that the story of this series? The depth of pitching for you? Where's the biggest difference maker? 
Casey, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. So when I was preparing to come on this last night and I was thinking about talking points, Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy were two major talking points. So you took the words right out of my mouth. And it's true because, you know, if you're Philadelphia, you really only have three starters, right? This team is constructed beautifully for the NLDS for a five-game series. And they got lucky, frankly, you know, with Bailey Falter to win that game with him on the mound, right? They should not have won that game. They, they give up a four spot in the top of the first. Um, it, it was all about the bats. With Houston, if one of their starters has an off day, you've got Urquidy, you've got Garcia, they can go in and shove for five plus innings. If you're Philadelphia, you really only have three solid starters. We don't want to see Kyle Gibson with his five plus ERA. Noah Syndergaard can't go more than two innings right now. The Philadelphia Phillies have three reliable starters. If just one of them, no pun intended, falters and slips up a little bit, Philly's really in trouble for the rest of the series. Whereas Houston, you know, I mean, figure you got Verlander, Valdez, games one and two. You can have a slip up by a Christian Javier or a Lance McCullers, and you can recover and not do long-term damage to your bullpen, which, by the way, that Houston bullpen, I mean, bullpens are the ultimate equalizer. And that's the best bullpen in the sport, right? I know regular season, I believe the Dodgers had the best bullpen ERA. I said coming into the playoffs, I did not trust the Dodgers bullpen me in neither. high leverage situations. Me you and me both. You, you didn't even have a ninth inning guy. Houston's got four ninth inning guys. Oh, impressive. And, and honestly, is, I, I mean, spinning it, Joe, like, I mean, forget it. I mean, he's unhittable right now. Presley. Presley's great. I think he's probably their third best reliever. You like, well, I, Abreu's not, been brilliant. I mean, first Abreu, of all, this, he, Hector Neris. Yeah, oh yeah. And we speaking of Phillies, by the way, the Nereus Bowl. I mean, yeah. who knew that was going to happen? My God. Right. And, and then, splitter. you know, Montero's come back down to earth a little bit. He's running up some high pitch counts. When he's on, he's been phenomenal. Um, but the guy who I'm impressed with the most is Ryan Stanek. I mean, I think his stuff is probably the filthiest out of that bullpen. So, you know, I, I mean, Presley, we saw against Seattle, I believe it was, he got out of trouble, but gave up a lot of hard contact in that Seattle series. Might have been like game one against the Yankees, too. It's just that Houston can run a million guys out there. And if one guy's too tired, they can have another guy step up and close. And it's hard to close, period. It's really hard to close in the playoffs. And Houston has three, four guys who can do it. And guys with experience, people forget, McCullers has started at Game 7. He's coming out of the bullpen in Game 7. Uh, you know, yeah. is there, and look, even though different machinations, in 2017, Morton and him closing out at Game 7 together, and starters coming in as relievers, they've got all the answers. By the way, uh, your, your answer on, on whether or not, uh, you know, people have forgotten about the Astros, I, I they certainly are not, uh, <laughs> they're not forgotten by most people. I don't think it's Charles Barkley, but Charles gets in and says, no matter the Astros got to go away with murder and they didn't get punished for it, maybe a little bit extreme, but just to tell you the hatred that people have for the Astros. I want to ask you this last one, and I'll bug you before the series is over, have you back on again. I, I, of all the former Mets in this series, and there's like two, by the way, if you're a Nationals fan or a Mets fan, this whole last two weeks has been just agonizing. Painful. In, <laughs> worse for the Nats. Worse for the Nats. But, but, I mean, I can't even imagine. The Harper story now, watching Soto, I mean, I, I can't even forget it. But Thor, you've got Wheeler. You mentioned Montero. Uh, how many others? Is a but there's a are there still are there more former Mets that are in this series or are those the those that uh, I want to say those are the only Thor? three the Phillies cut familiar. Okay, yeah, they cut from you. Um, okay, so so who bothers you the most? Is it watching Wheeler? And I don't mean as a human, but I mean watching Wheeler deal because it could have been him instead of Chris Bassett. Let's say in your brain in Game Three in either series, Atlanta or right. Imagine that story. Is it Thor just because he drives you nuts in general, even though he's not pitching well? Is it Montero because here's a number one of of one of a hundred million Met guys that were supposed to be great that of course with Seattle and now Houston he finds himself. What Met guy can you just not look at on the screen? And what's the one that drives you crazy? Yeah, re remember when Montero and DeGrom debuted in back-to-back -back starts in the Subway Series? And Montero was the guy who everyone was talking about. And DeGrom was maybe going to be a good relief option for the Mets. By the way, I was at Montero's debut. I really wish I was at DeGrom's. Um, Syndergaard bothers me the most. It's it's easy. I, I mean, you know, he hasn't even had a good year. Hasn't even put in the work for Philly. Got, got traded there at the deadline and just kind of fell into a good situation. Didn't pitch particularly well there. Uh, Wheeler doesn't bother me at all. It hurts. But, it hurts. I mean, that was all Brody Van Wagnen's fault, right? I mean, you can't be mad Who? at Zach Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Brody, come and get us Van Wagnen as they finish yeah. in fourth place. Um, you know, he, he was the one who thought that Wheeler wasn't worth the money. And Wheeler's turned in Cy Young season after Cy Young season with the Phillies. So, you know, that hurts. But you can't hold it against Wheeler. I think Wheeler wanted to remain a 
Um, it's it's really Syndergaard. That's the only that bothers me that he's actually in the World Series. Um, but I, I'm I'm rooting for Montero to get that ring. I won't hide that. I won't make any qualms about that. It's you know Houston or bust for me. Here's what bothers me on the way out. Boach and and by the way, Texas just changed their life, right? The Rangers. Yeah. He's not taking that job unless they told him, hey, we're going after the DeGroms of the world in free agency. 100%. Uh no, no, that that is the best in my 20 years covering the game, and I heard it from pitchers. He is the best manager handling of pitchers. He's the best bullpen manager in the game when he's been in it. He's the best handler. He is. He just has that right mix of X's and O's, former catcher, understands pitching. Think about how many, I mean, Lindsay came out of the pen one year, right? Re, yeah. re, somehow revitalized like Barry Zito, who looked like he was gone. Closer, Brian Wilson. Then it's Romo. Then it's Casilla in three different times. I mean, finding ways. Jacob DeGrom to Texas is something that's starting to scare me. So I, I'm, I'm Yeah, it definitely worried. scares me. And that was my first thought when I saw the Bochi hire. I'm worried. Uh, the one thing is that it's not a pitcher's ballpark. So no, Jake's not, not going to have any two flat ERAs pitching in Texas. I mean, that ball flies down there. So that might be the one saving grace. Well, if Dansby Swanson ends up in that division, you won't have any there either because he can't get him. Out. <laughs> but that's a whole nother thing. Joe, pre appreciate you, bud. Thank you for doing this. We'll bug you later in the week. Thanks, Casey. Anytime, man. All right. Thank you. There he is. My guy, Joe Sorallo. You can get him on. I don't even know how many different places which you mentioned on the Believe Sports Network, including, of course, Sorallo's Sports Talk on Sports Bat Radio, which you can find Wednesday night, 7 to 8 Eastern. Uh, he's a national TV betting host at Stadium. Does a great job with uh, Believe in Queens with those Metropolitans as well. We'll have Joe back on. You can get him at the Joe Sorallo on Twitter. Uh, my, my next guest is a longtime friend and uh, multifaceted uh, writer and multifaceted in this last couple of weeks, because even though in New York Times and plenty of time around the Yankees, Philly guy knows the Phillies as well as anybody and gets to watch firsthand what none of us really believe is going on. That still has happened as we welcome in Tyler Kepner. Tyler, how much is your watching what the Phillies have done? How long did it take before you believe that this is all really happening? When you think about where the Phillies were three weeks ago, that team that sort of got in the postseason barely, that couldn't do anything well or play any defense, to now be in a World Series team. Yeah, it's been remarkable. I mean, I, I'm I'm as guilty of, of of anyone, you know, after they got off to a bad start, thinking that, you know, that was it, that that uh, the Girardi didn't work out, but you know, the, the flaws went deeper and all that. But you know. All the credit to Rob Thompson for uh, just connecting with those players as he did, putting them in the right positions. And once they started this playoff run, I mean, I saw the two games against St. Louis and thought, well, this is a pretty dangerous team. But, you know, Atlanta was really good. And when they got through Atlanta, it felt like anything could happen because San Diego was a very comparable sort of team. Um, you know, I thought that was a pretty even matchup all of the giants of the league were out all the 100 win teams so yeah i think that was right when i started believing and then these last three games in philly were unbelievable yeah can you you've been around that atmosphere a ton you've been in years covering you know new york stadiums in the craziest of atmospheres i said i thought tyler and you we were there too back in 07 08 09 i thought philadelphia was the best and I said it, I remember saying at the time, I thought CBP was the best atmosphere that I was in during those years. So it did not surprise me. But how evident was it that that park in that city brought something different than either team in New York had this postseason in terms of the kind of life that that city had when you were there in the last few days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, 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 I don't know that if there is, I don't think there is a, a better, um, more raucous, uh, atmosphere for a postseason game. I mean, just being from there, knowing a lot of people um, who are in the stands now, um, you know, Philly fans kind of make it their mission to um, to have an impact on the game as much as they can. And and, uh, and they have. I, I don't think home field advantage really tends to make much of a difference in the postseason. I mean, it doesn't play out that way numerically. We haven't seen a home team win the World Series on its own field since 2013. So, um you know, it really mostly depends on the pitcher, but sometimes in those circum certain circumstances, it can make an impact. And in Philadelphia, it seems like it does. I mean, they're, I think, 21 and 19, I want to say. No, 21 and 9. I mean, 21. they've won 21 out of 30, I believe, home games um, in the playoffs. They've played at Citizens Bank Park. That's pretty good, two out of three. 
So, yeah, it does seem like it makes an impact. Certainly, if it doesn't necessarily rattle the opponent, it does do something, I think, to lock in the home team. They just enjoy playing there. They, they, they love that, that edge that the Philly fans give you where they love you and hate the opponent, and, and, uh, and they stand all game, Casey. It's ridiculous. They stand all game. And, like and they've been they've been starving for so long. It's like they just they right. I mean, it's just this this emotion. That's yeah. why to me, and I want to talk about a couple of guys specifically, including getting to Bryce, um, who I know you did a, a great column on. I want to talk about. I saw somebody tweeted you about this yesterday. I want to bring this up to you anyway. Just the the dynamic of how it started and where we are now, as they say on on you know memes and Twitter for Hamels v Harper and now Harper the Philly. I want to get into that mm-hmm. and just what he's done. But how about Reese Hoskins? How much does he kind of emulate everything a Philly fan needs to see from a guy that eventually they love. We hate you. We crush you. You're never good enough. The defense isn't good enough. You weren't the guy you were in the first games where you hit the 18 home runs and you stuck there and you've stepped straight, right? You're tough and blue collar. And now here you are a hero. How about following the Reese Hoskins story and what he's now become and where he stands heading into a World Series versus sometimes really over even the last couple of months, Tyler, where he stood in this fan base. Yeah, I yeah, I think he's one of those guys. I mean, Philly fans love to um, you know, make you earn it. And I think he they they, they love the fact obviously he's homegrown, they understand his perspective, but um his his defensive uh lapses have have uh I don't want to even say lapses. I just say like, you know, he, he's not the best defender and sometimes that hurts the team and, 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 and they'll let you know it. But I mean, it's, everybody knows how sincere Hoskins is about his, uh, about how much he, he wants this and what he's been through with this organization. Um, he's a good guy. He's again, the homegrown guy and to see his passion come out, um, on the home runs just gets the fans really fired up and, and, and connected to him. And, and I was looking at his first game in the big leagues. The Phillies were the worst team in, in major league baseball at the time. The Phillies lost 10, nothing to the Mets at home that night. And the lineup was Cesar Hernandez, Freddie Galvis, Herrera, Michael Franco, Nick Williams, Tommy Joseph, Hoskins, Cameron Rupp, and Vince Velasquez with oh assorted my gosh. guest with assorted guest stars: Ricardo Pinto, uh, Luis Garcia, Daniel Nava, Mark Leiter Jr., Hyunsoo Kim, Jason Jason uh, Theron. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. And Andres Blanco. So those are all the people who played in the first game of Hoskins' career. So you know when you hear that started from the bottom, now we're here. Uh, that applies. I mean, that's, I love the reference. Okay. <laughs> on, that, uh, on that roster, right? I love that. And by the way, speaking of starting from the bottom, now they're here. Starting from the bottom in a Philly fan's mind with uh, Cole Hamels with the, you know, Bryce Harper knowing his role and and hitting him at the beginning of that game where, you know, what, a 10 years ago, right? When he's sitting there and he's a hated guy as he was for years in that stadium to, to now become a Philly hero. You're in a great column. I think it was after game five or maybe it was right before game five uh, about, kind of what he's doing in this legacy. We always talk at the end and we never do this the right way, Tyler in the middle and accept and admire and embrace the legacy of, of a guy who's building one right now for Cooperstown. What stands out to you most about what's happening right here with Bryce Harper at this point in his career? Well, I think he, he did a great job of never looking back. Um, And when he went from Washington to the Phillies, he was just all in right away. Um, the idea that a Scott Boris client would take a contract of 13 years and not have any escape clause in it, no out clause, no opt out, is remarkable. Um, and you know whether it was a product of a negotiation and whatever, like that's how it turned out. And Philly fans love that because if he had an opt out clause, this whole thing would be different. Um, they'd be suspicious. Um, but the fact that he uh, was all in from the beginning, not just with the contract, but also with the way he handled himself, um, the way he embraced the city's ethos, um, the, the city's teams, the fanatic, uh, all of his social media stuff. I mean, like he he is I really think he's genuine in that. And I think, uh, Casey, that people, you know, going back from Cole Hamels from, from that rookie year, I think people misread Harper all along and you know, oh, he's going to wants to go to the West Coast, whatever. Like 
Harper, sure, he's from Las Vegas. Uh, he was the anointed one and everything, but he's a he's a grinder. Uh, you know, he's exceptionally talented, but also he loves the 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 grind. He lo- he's a he's a baseball uh, rat in the best sense. Like he loves history. I remember talking to him when he was young, and his favorite players were guys who retired before he was born. You know, George Brett, Pete Rose, guys like that. Um, so that's the model that he I think aspires to. Um, and he likes that tough-edged East Coast vibe. Uh, so he's a perfect fit, and obviously he's performed even better with the Phillies than he did with Washington. And to see a great player do an all-time great thing the other day when everyone in the ballpark is hoping that he'll do it, and he does it, that's the stuff that makes you a legend. Yeah, it's pretty amazing theater. I, I want to ask you one more in this and then one on the way out on the Yankees. Uh, for... Anybody to ask this, I'd ask the guy whose book, if you haven't read it, get out there now, folks. And from Doubleday Books, the grandest stage of history of the World Series, a guy who certainly, and we talked about this, and you can get this on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast, my conversation with Tyler about his book from a couple of weeks ago. But you studied the World Series and all these different machinations. And it's funny because I saw a tweet about this yesterday somebody had, and I was saying this on the show. In covering the World Series over the years, it's always whatever side you covered, you're telling people at media day when we talk on what will be now Thursday in the media, oh, the team I just covered is never going to lose. There is mm-hmm. such momentum. No, you don't understand. They just uh, it thing. I was in the room. I was in the champagne. It seemed to, right. Both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, they're smiling. Right? We, no, no, you don't understand the team I cover. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like that. I referenced an example was in being around Texas down the stretch of that season where they knocked the Tigers off 16 to 5. And Alexi Ogando is getting everybody out. And all of a sudden, he can't get Alan Craig out. And the Cardinals win a World Series. And you just, it changes. Can the Phillies' momentum be enough to make this a series that they put the Astros on their heels? Or are the Astros just too deep, Tyler, even for this Phillies run right now? I mean, it could. You know, like, there's always there's always a pathway. And and the Phillies' pathway is, to, is what we've seen, which is... Um, home runs and uh, an, an occasional rally where they string some things together like they had against St. Louis, um, but mainly, uh, you know, big hits and um, great starting pitching and just the right sort of bullpen formula. Um, I, and what I mean is sort of leaning on Wheeler, Nola, uh, Suarez to some extent, but Wheeler, Nola, and then Dominguez and Alvarado and Eflin to some extent um, in the bullpen. The other guys can contribute. Um, but so it's it's a somewhat of a more limited, I think, um, pathway than the Astros have. The Astros are deeper. The Astros are the better team. Um, they haven't lost yet. And they were the number one seed in the American League. So you have to recognize what the Astros have done um, and, and give them the edge. But sure, there's a pathway for the Phillies to win. I mean, they can get a well-pitched game from Nolan Wheeler or both in in – Houston and take one, come home, you know, get that Philly home vibe thing going um, and win a couple there. I mean, you can definitely see it. Um, But Houston, yeah, I mean, Houston, Houston strikes out a lot of guys. They don't strike out, you know, all the, all the strengths. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that the Phillies are the favorites just because I respect Houston too much, but there's a pathway for the Phillies to win. Sure. Nobody thought they'd be here. The Yankees. Um, I, I love and look, you were in there with me. I, I always reference it. Um, you know, forget about what kind of manager he, he is. I'm not saying he's a bad one because he's not. Booney's a terrific person and he won a fantasy league. We were both involved in that. I ran four times. So, <laughs> you know, I and but in getting to know him and I love him personally, I think about how difficult it must be on May 9th to to manage the Yankees. Forget about it in a postseason, forget about if you had a hundred wins twice or any of that. I also am, am fair looking on the other side, the, cl- the home situation, which did not look good, where he doesn't know what's going on. I didn't have a problem with him switching Bader to the top of the lineup in the middle of that series, but then he switched the lineup two more times after that. Seemingly not so great. The optics of the poppy FaceTime and even promoting the fact that you're showing videos, which is not just all him, but part of it, right, of all the Red Sox stuff the Yankee fan base and the ire of that Donaldson in the lineup every day and Dom Manningly looming. Are we North of 50, 50 boonies in trouble? In trouble. Uh, yeah. I mean, North of 50, 50, I guess, but whether they'll actually happen, 
Um, I think that's a different question. I don't know. I mean, the Yankees are very pragmatic in these last 10, 12 years. Um, they're not uh, rash. Um, and they like that stability. So if they look at Boone's track record of getting them to the playoffs every every year, usually winning 9900 games, um, I, I think it's I think it's hard to make the case that that, that he should go. Um, you know, he, he has the fans are certainly frustrated at a lot of his moves. And that does factor in because a manager is particularly the Yankees manager is a TV star, too. You know, they want a guy who's well-spoken and, and communicates things uh, that the that the fans like. And if fans don't like him, then you have your TV star who who is who the fans don't want to see every day on TV. And they um, kind of like Don Mattingly. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and Mattingly, you know, and Mattingly is not as 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 uh like smooth necessarily with uh the media, but it doesn't matter. He's Don Mattingly, he's the nicest person in the world, and he's he's a uh, Yankee. He's a Yankee. The Yankee. And he's also really? he's never won. He's never even been to the World Series for all he's done. He's it's a great story. Now, would Cashman and the front office is is he what they're looking for? I don't know. Um they're not, they don't seem to be sentimental, and they can't be sentimental, but Mattingly's done a good job as manager in all the places. Uh, if it's George, been... it happens, right? There's like no question. If it's George, it this is this is happening. Right? Probably, yeah. I mean, you know, in what era, George? If it's if it's 80s George, the whole not nothing happens. No, of same. course. Right. No, right. I get it. But you like, understand where I'm coming from. The urgency level, the Mattingly factor, him wanting to please, he always wanted to please Yankee fans. And to, look, right. that's not always a great thing because it's not mm -hmm. about pleasing your family, it's about winning. This to your point, Brian Cashman and you know Hal and Hank, they, they have not felt the same way about needing to they didn't go get everyone, they haven't traded everyone, they, right? They didn't sign Harper when he was a free agent. It was like go get him, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have Otani who they didn't find a way to somehow get a year or two ago or whatever. But it, it I think with Donnie looming, it makes it scary if I'm Booney. I, I think if you know, Donnie's not in there, it's like, well, who else are they gonna get, right? Mm -hmm. But with Don Mattingly sitting there, I, 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 you know, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong because you don't know until it happens, right? And then we see how it pans out. But Don Mattingly just happens to be sitting there in a year where all these things are negative. Not going to surprise me if Don Mattingly is the manager of the Yankees next year. Yeah, and 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 I mean, it, it it can't it can't be surprising if 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 that happens, right? Like, um, and I think. You know, you try to think about the Yankees front office and, and what matters, and the the business the the, the business model depends on stars. And uh, people don't show up to see a manager work, but the manager is the a big salesman for the team. And Don Mattingly's a star, and he has deep resonance with fans. And when you want to change the conversation away from the fact oh, that the yeah. Yankees always lose in the postseason. I mean, always can't beat Houston, right? Can't that, beat Houston. That, that right. That changes the conversation. I mean, is it is it does it fix things? No, but yeah, it, it wins the offseason as dumb as that is. Right. You sign Aaron Judge and you hire Don Mattingly and Yankee fans probably are ready to go. Right now, the back pages post today also had Carlos Correa in pinstripes and it had Verlander in pinstripes and Edwin Diaz in pinstripes. So if they could go sign <laughs> all four of the best. And Hal, Hal finds a spare billion. Um, I, I thought that I love the post, man. The post is great. But I mean, to see all four of those guys in Yankee, yeah. in Yankee uniforms no. is like, okay, really? So that's no. all it's going to take? No. Is Judge Correa, Judge Correa, no. Verlander, Diaz. That's it? Okay. No. <laughs> I will say I will say this real early, and I'll let you run. This is the real early, like, who cares meter of anything. But since there is an 86 plaque behind me. If DeGrom were to walk, I would not be surprised if Verlander finished his career back with Scherzer in New York for a couple oh of years. God, right. That would not surprise me. That would not That's surprise right. me. Because no, that guy, the, that would not surprise me. He seems but, to love uh, Houston's a real comfort zone for him. But uh, you offer he, someone $45 million Oh, he, Oh, yeah. And we know I Cohen's mean, got that money. Hey, right, because uh, Scherzer is here, and then it. Verlander's better that's right it. now. That's even though he's it. older, so he's yep. got to be higher. You got to go for it now if you got Scherzer and you're going to go pay Diaz. So, 
Who knows? Right. In the meantime, the Philadelphia Phillies, who knew? And you know, Keith Hernandez, I hope he's resting his shoulder somewhere with the fundies. I mean, we're not caring about any of that with the PH anymore. Uh, enjoy yourself during this series and covering it. Tyler, I always appreciate you coming. I'm so thankful that you hopped on and did this with me today. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. All right, man. Glad we made it work. Thanks. Appreciate it, bro. There he is, Tyler Kepner, New York Times. Make sure to get him on Twitter and uh, get his book on all things World Series. And now he'll have more to add to it here with this one that is coming up. Uh, we put a wrap and a bow on this one. We've got a lot of preview coverage still to come. Remember, every day, if you're listening to Apple, Spotify, and behind, that's okay. You can get to us live. Get us three ways. On my Twitter at noon Eastern, Believes YouTube, B-L-E-A-V, noon Eastern, or my YouTube channel, which you can get in my bio. Tomorrow, uh, one of my favorite people in the game and good friends, Matt Holiday, going to join me. We'll wrap about all things postseason and get into the World Series and talk about the layoffs and and all those different things, him having gone through that. And to me, the, the premier moment of that in 07, talking about playing in the World Series, the postseason, his thoughts on his buddy Judge and the Yankees and where they sit. And, of course, a full breakdown of the Phillies and the Astros as we sit tomorrow. It'll be just uh, over 48 hours away from Game 1. Thursday, John Gibbons going to join me. Looking forward to that. Also, Jeff Blum will be back on board on the Strohs. And Alex Cora knows a thing or two about the Strohs as the Red Sox manager. Does he not? He will join me on Friday Live as well. Billy King coming up this weekend. Long time in Philadelphia running the Sixers. A friend of mine who's going to talk about being a Philadelphia fan and, and in the midst of all that, Steve Phillips here in the next few days. A bunch of guests to come. You could follow it all at Casey Stern. Be part of the Unfiltered Revolution. Thank you to our folks uh, who helped make this possible. To our guests for jumping on board today, Mike Gill, Tyler Kepner, Buddy Joe Serralo, and of course, mostly to our folks at Bet Online, because we at October Unfiltered and Unfiltered all year long, presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.